Father, we do thank you tonight for every blessing we've already enjoyed. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you're here, and we feel your mighty presence in this service. I'm glad for the good singing. Lord, I thank you for saving us. Thank you tonight for being so good to your people. I'm glad that we're the bride, you're the bridegroom. And oh, when we think about the song, that honor with eight stanzas, when Solomon sang this bride, I'm glad the bride sang back to him. And I pray that as we come to bring the word of God, that somebody will see themselves lost and will cry out, what must I do to be saved? I pray tonight, Father, for your children, that they might cry, my beloved, is more than any beloved of this world. And our Father will thank you and will praise you because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want to speak to you on the song of songs. And brother, when I come to the Word of God and I begin to open up the Scriptures, it's a blessing when I come to the song of Solomon. Here's the song with me stanzas. At the same time, it opens from chapter 5. If you want to understand the Song of Solomon, you have to go to chapter 5. Now, if you look this way, I'll tell you what's in chapter 5. The Bible said there was a city called Jerusalem. Thank God for Jerusalem. There's no city like Jerusalem. But in the days of the Song of Solomon, the doors of Jerusalem would come to a fountain. And as they'd come to drink at the fountain, they'd sing and clap their hands if they were happy. But one day when the daughters of Jerusalem had gathered it to drink in fountain, the Bible says a little a bride to be. Boy, she came singing and skipping. And she said, let me sing about my beloved. And as the daughters of Jerusalem heard her, they said, well, what is your beloved? Greater than our beloved. In other words, what's so wonderful about him? And she said, let me tell you about him. I want you to know if you're saved. Your job is to talk about him. Praise God. A preacher's job is to teach to preach him. I tell you, we have no one else to preach but the Lord Jesus, who came into this world, lived and died, and was risen from the dead. And further, 40 years later, ascended into heaven. And thank God, some golden daybreak, he's coming back again. I don't know of anything better than preaching about him. He's listen to what she said. She said, if you want me to tell you why my beloved is greater than your beloved. She said, let me tell you five things. Write them down. Number one, she said, he's the fairest of 10,000. He's altogether lovely. She said, caught out all of your lovers. But I know one that's the lover of my soul. And when you see him, He's the fairest of 10,000. He's altogether lovely. The second thing she said, his hair is black as a raven. You say, well, what does that mean? That means he's eternally young. Thank God he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm glad God's just as young today as he was 40 billion years. You say, preach him, 
amazed. I don't understand that. God's the only one that can step up into your yesterday. He's now in your uh, present tense. Now, I've got news for you. He'll be up yonder again tomorrow when you get there. He's eternal youthful. Thank God. She said, let me tell you, his hair's black as a raven. I want you to know that he's eternally young. He never grows old. Notice the third thing she said about him. She said his eyes are the eyes of a dove. Have you ever looked in the eyes of a dove? Well, I was over at Asheville a couple of years ago, and I said to Ralph Sexton, I said, they tell me you've got two white doves. He said, yes, let me show them to you. He brought them in, and, and I looked at those doves. Listen to what that preacher said. He said, preacher, look at the texture. Uh, look at those feathers. And he said, look at those little, uh, little feet. And look at their bills. I said, that's not what I want to see. I want to see their eyes. And brother, I was amazed. I looked into their eyes, and they were mournful. They were meek, and they were lovely. I'll tell you, when you look into the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you, you've never looked in eyes like the Son of God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And she said his eyes are eyes of a dove. And then she said his mouth is sweeter than wine. That you've never tasted anything like his kisses. My old preacher was 96 years old when he died. I went to see him when he was 94. I leaned over and I said, Brother Phillips, I want to ask you something. Well, I said, are you, do you know who I am? And he looked up and said, I don't know you. And a little nurse said, why, he doesn't know anything, Brother Mays. I said, you wait a minute. He may not know me and he may not know a lot of things. But praise God, there's some things he'll know. I don't care how hard his arteries are. I don't care how old he is. I leaned over that old preacher and I said, Brother Phillips. I said, are you still preaching? He looked up and smiled. And he said, twice every Sunday. Bless God, you may forget a lot of things. But if you ever stand, oh, for me down Listen to me. I want to tell you if you've ever preached this word. I want you to know. Are you listening? You'll never forget it. The longest day that you live. But here's the good part. Carlton Dix was with me. I said, Carlton, come up close. I said, I want you to hear something or bless your heart. That little old nurse said, you know, he did know something. I said, nurses don't know everything. Say amen right there. Doctors don't eat. I'll tell you something else, preachers don't either say amen. But boy, I, I said, Carlton, watch this. And I said, Brother Phillips, do you know the sweet Holy Ghost? And when I said that, he raised up that bed and started clapping him little bony hands. And he said, do I know the sweet Holy Ghost? He said, yes. He takes me up in his arms and he kisses me with kisses that are sweeter than mine. You say, Brother May. As she said, his mouth is sweeter than wine. Notice uh, the next thing she said, number five. She said, I want to tell you, his hands are golden rings. They're gold. You know what that stands for? And the ring that stands for eternal power. I'm glad he still got power tonight. I hear some people say, hey, preacher, you believe he's 
got power. He's got all power in heaven and in earth. There's nothing he can't do. And she said he's got golden rings for him. But so much for that. Let me get into the message. The three keys that unlock the book of the Song of Solomon. In a moment, I'll give you those three, but keep this in mind. You've got to depict this book. And so we go to the sixth chapter and find, first of all, a Shulamite girl. The first key is a Shulamite girl. You say, I never heard of her. In uh, the sixth chapter, in verse 13, it says there was a Shulamite girl. Now she lived in the Shulamite Valley. That little valley was 12 miles north of Jerusalem. And this girl lived in the Shulamite Valley. It was noted for its vineyards. I mean, they had luscious grapes and they had all wonderful fruit. And it was known for that. But there were two classes of people that lived in the Shulamite Valley. There were the very rich. They owned the vineyards. There were the very poor. They, they had to work in the vineyards. But this girl owned her own vineyard. But you know, jealousy came in her home. And they, her brothers jumped her. Now let me give you something or help you tonight. Two things like to destroy that girl. Two things. One was jealousy. Now I want to say to you, Mr. Solomon says here in the Song of Solomon that jealousy is as cruel as the grave. You remember that grave that took your mother? You remember that grave that took your daddy? You remember that grave that took your little girl? And God says that jealousy is as cruel as the grave. And her brothers became jealous of the Shulamite girl. And it like a tanker. Oh, let him to judge her. Now, let me give you something before I give you the three points on the shoe of my girl. Hear me? Now, listen to me. No man has a right to judge. All judgment's been committed unto the Son of God. I want you to know, my friend, I'm not your judge. Uh, I stand up here and preach the Word of God. And if it judges you, you're just judged. But I don't judge you. The Word of God can judge you. And the word of God can judge me. And you say, preacher, what about the shoe of my girl? Three things her brothers did to her. Oh, first they shamed her. Write this down. It's not but it's. First they shamed her. The Bible said they lifted her veil. And by lifting the veil, she is a marked woman. She is a woman of the streets. And her own brothers made her a shameful girl. I want to say to you tonight, my friend, the devil will make you ashamed. The devil would shame you. The devil would shame your church. The devil would shame your home. The devil would shame your life. And so the first thing they did, they picked that veil. I used to wonder why I said her face was black. I'll tell you why, because she's supposed to wear a veil. And, and the sun made her face black. And it was a mark of shame. You say, preacher, may notice. Uh, they shamed her. Secondly, they stole everything she had. Uh, I want you to know the devil stripped you of everything you have. Oh, uh, uh, let's listen to me. Uh, I'm glad all I have, Jesus gave it to me. Uh, praise God. Did you know something? Uh, I'm glad I've got more than ever had before. Uh, and it's all because of him. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, all good and perfect gifts comes down from the Father above. You put that down, mister. If you got it, then God had to give it to me. God had to give it to you. Are you listening to me? And the devil steal everything you have. 
Deb, I've watched me and Stanley uh, up in the cage. I watched a man, a friend of mine, at a courthouse. They sold his car. They sold his furniture. And he stood out there and tears ran down his cheeks. And he said, they've stolen everything I have. Brother, that's just like the devil's crowd. That old drinking cup and ripping a bunch of devils that steal everything you have. But every good thing you have came from him because of him. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now notice, first of all, they shamed her. And then they stole her vineyard and stole everything she had. And number three, they made a slave out of her. They sent her out there in the heat of the vineyard of the Shulamite Valley. And they made a slave out of her. Are you listening to me? The Bible said if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. I was once a slave, but Jesus set me free. And what a blessing that is to know that the shackles of sin can fall and you can be set free. Well, I like to be I like to talk about being free. Amen. It's good to be free. Now, some people don't like jokes, but I like this, and you may not, but I do, so hold on. I like this. Brother Carl Smithwick was one of my best friends. For 32 years, he's warden up there at Fulton County Jail. Ever since I got it, I couldn't preach for him. Somebody said, how come you preach them prisoners? Because really, spiritually, I was a prisoner to Jesus came. I signed my pardon and let me go free. But Carl was telling me, the girl sang one morning in a service, and now I go free. Carl said, just told me this little joke, and I liked it. He said, we had a fellow here for 11 years, and said it came time for him to be pardoned, him to go free. And he said, I went with him out to the gate. And he said, when the man got out and looked back, and we closed the gate, and it clicked. Said the man was so happy, he jumped up and down and said, Free! Free! Said this little old boy standing across the street and said, Huh, I'm poor. I'm poor, <laughs> Amen! Now you say, I didn't like that. I like that. But praise God, are you listening to me? I'm glad that Jesus can set you free. You say, what did they do with the Shulamite sister? Oh, they shamed her. Listen to me. They stripped everything she had and stole it. And number three, well, they made a slave out of her. Now, because of time and I've got to hurry, I can't preach in brief ones tonight. Say, amen. I want you to listen. Oh, you say, Brother Mays, what happened? This little girl became a slave. She lost two things, her name and her property. I want to tell you, a slave had nothing. A slave didn't have a name. And a slave didn't have property. And she lost it all. Are you here tonight? Listen. In chapter 6 and verse 13, you depict the first stanza. And it's the Shulamite girl. Come to the second stanza, the second key. To the song of Solomon, it's the shepherd boy. This is found in chapter 4. Thank God for the shepherd boy. Somebody said to you, like the shepherd. I know the good shepherd, the great shepherd. And one day the chief shepherd is coming back. And praise the Lord for the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm glad I'm the sheep of his pasture. And brother, in chapter 4, you find the shepherd boy. I want the chatter when he just break the bread. You say, what was he doing? He's looking for new pasture land. And guess where he went? 
12 miles north of Jerusalem to a place called the Shulamite Valley. And where did he go when he got to the Shulamite Valley? He went to a certain vineyard. It wasn't perchance, it wasn't a happen so matter. Praise God, the Holy Ghost led him. Woo! Praise the Lord. To the right, a vineyard. And he walked into that vineyard and said, What a blessing fruit. I've never seen a vineyard how wonderful it's kept. Let me stop along and say this. Uh, brother, we're keepers, uh, keepers of his vineyard. Uh, and it's a shame the way some churches uh, uh, let the thistles and the thorns grow up uh, in the vineyard of God. Uh, we need to keep the, keep the vineyard clean uh, and keep the vineyard like it ought to be kept. Now watch this. He walks in there and he walks around and he says, it's beautiful. And he sees an apple tree. And he looks under that apple tree. And when he looks under that apple tree, there's a Shulamite girl. The shepherd sees the Shulamite girl. And when he does, he looks up and he looks down. And you have the chemistry of love. Oh, they knew, they knew. It was love at first sight. You say, preacher, I don't understand that. Boy, listen, when Jesus looked down and I looked up, it was love at first sight. And what a blessing, my friend, that is. Now watch this. He looked down on that tree, and he saw three things that nobody else had ever seen in that little girl. Write them down. Start with these. Number one, he saw a broken-hearted girl that had nothing to live for. Now, isn't that pitiful that a girl could be broken-hearted and have nothing to live for? I want you to know Jesus can give you something that's worth living for. She was broken-hearted. Nobody knew the wound of a broken heart like the Shulamite girl. Her own brothers. By the way, let me give you something. Your own family will make it hard on you sometimes. You say, now, my little lovey doves, why, they may not be as lovey doves as you think they are. Say amen right there. I'll tell you, you'll find out sometime your own household will be your worst enemy. Oh, you say, because, and the Bible says, he looked down, and first of all, he saw a broken hearted girl with nothing to live for. Secondly, he saw a beauty that nobody else had ever seen. Oh, that thrills me, praise God. I want to tell you, talk about beauty. I don't see what the Lord saw in me, and I don't see what God saw in you, because, as Ezekiel said, we're out open field, and we're polluted in our own blood, and no man would know us but when the shepherd came. Woo! Praise God, he saw something. He saw a beauty. He saw a diamond in the rough. Oh, let me tell you something. He saw the beauty of that little Shulamite girl. Not only did he see a broken-hearted girl and a beauty in that girl, but the first thing he saw, he saw a bride that would one day stand by his side. Oh, you hear me? The Bible said in the book of Hebrews, from the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame. You say, how could Jesus have joy on the cross? I tell you, when his blood was dripping to the ground, he looked up and saw the bride, and the bride was coming. Boy, that's real to me. The bride's coming. Brother Palmer's mentioned Brother T.D. I was at T.D.'s church several years ago. They had 118 in the choir, and they had a little lady over in the corner that played a trumpet, and uh, she was back in the corner, and uh, Brother Roy Lucas, a good friend of mine, said, 
Well, for Brother Mace, before he comes to preach tonight, we're going to sing, Here Comes the Bride. And boy, they started singing, Here Comes the Bride. And everybody there, boy, was just, just, just eager. Waiting on those words. They were precious. The bride's are coming. The bride's are coming. And they got to singing, Here Comes the Bride. And when they got down to that part, picked up the trumpet, Gabriel, that little lady back over there, she could blow a trumpet better than Harry James. And boy, she started tooting on that trumpet. And when she did, I got so excited, I started to run out on Rossville Boulevard, trying to hide a telephone pole, wave my handkerchief and say, come on. Praise the Lord, come on. It's wonderful, brother, the pride, the pride. And when the shepherd looked at the Shulamite girl, he saw a bride that would stand by his side. And more of that blessed me. Oh, a bride. A bride. A bride. But after the long days of world, winter time was And he went to her and he said to her, My beloved, I've got to leave you. Well, let me tell you something. 1900 years ago, the bridegroom said to the bride, I've got to leave you. It's winter time, but it'll be springtime one day, and I'll be back. Thank God, listen to me. I don't know how soon, but I believe it's the springtime coming. And somebody said, man, I want you to hear this. He said to her, now go back. There are many shepherds that will be coming by here after I leave. And you can find you a new shepherd. Listen to what she said. No, I only want my shepherd. Well, let me if you ever meet these shepherds, you won't want a hiring shepherd. You don't want a substitute. If you ever meet these shepherds, bless God, you won't want any other shepherd. I won't tell you you won't have to substitute the world either, but God to be satisfied with the shepherd. Say amen right there. And the Bible said, listen, the Bible said, I, I'm going to leave you one thing, he said to that little girl. He didn't leave her diamonds. He didn't leave her gold. He didn't leave her fine dresses. But he left her promise. He said, when the cold winter's over, I'll be back. Glory to God. Somebody said, hey, preacher. Jesus said, I'm coming back. I'm glad infidels and atheists, all the rest of them may deny it. But one morning, he's going to step out on the ground and praise God. He's coming back. And hallelujah, that's a blessed thing. You say, what happened? She watched him go away. They went into the cliffs toward Jerusalem. And I believe every day. Watch this. She went down, stood at the corner gate. And here's what, here's what it says in, in the Song of Solomon. She'd say, Arise, my beloved. Arise out of the cliff. Let me see my countenance. There's no countenance like your countenance. Glory to God. She said, Let me hear thy voice. There's no voice like your voice. Are you listening? I want to tell you if you ever hear him speak. Thank God. Woo! Brother, no man ever spake like this man. If you've ever seen him, glory to God, he'll outshine the sun. There's no countenance like his countenance. Now, let me give you something real quickly. Every evening, this little Shulamite girl would go down, and she'd walk under that vineyard and say, I'm in his banqueting hall, and his banner over me, love, and the atmosphere surely is good. 
<laughs> Let me tell you something. When you get in a good service, uh, the atmosphere is good. Did you know that? Uh, praise God. When you get in a Holy Ghost atmosphere, you better hang around. Uh, it's a good atmosphere. And what a blessing that is. Uh, boy, I'll tell you. But you know what she'd do is the sun was going down every day. She'd walk out there at the corner of that, uh, at that little old gate. She'd say, Arise, my love. The winter's about over. Oh, arise, my love. Let me hear your voice. Now, let me give you this, and I'll go to the third key to the second. There come times in your life when you're going to get so low you can't even see bottom. You'll think everybody's turned against you, and a lot of them have. You'll think nobody loves you, and not many people really do love you. Now, I'm going to give it to you straight. And when you get like that, go down to the corner gate and stand there and just look out and say, Arise, my love. Let me see thy countenance. There's no countenance like your countenance. There's no voice like your voice. I come to the garden alone. Let me give you something. Now, my wife back there, she's not as excitable as I am. Boy, I can shout at the drop of a hat and drop it myself. Say amen right there. Amen. I preached to 65 Baptist preachers last week, and two others wasn't Baptist preachers, but 65 last Friday morning, and I told them, I said, I want you dry hide Baptists to know. Bless God, I started off shouting, and if you'll follow me down to the end, I'll still be praising the Lord and shouting the victory. And brother, I'm ashamed of people. That's ashamed to praise God. It's beautiful. It's pitiful when you find that out there. Pitiful, pitiful. Oh, but you hear me? I won't show you something. You say, preacher, my wife and I was in the Garden of Gethsemane a couple of years ago, and we were down there, and I heard Dot say, and I heard her begin to sob, and I looked down, she had her hands and her, her face in her hands, and a little couple from Cottondale, Alabama. I was over there just before Christmas, First Baptist Church, Cottondale, Alabama, and, and, and that little couple, I forget their names, but they were beautiful singers, and they slipped up and started singing, I come to the garden alone. And the voice that I hear, that falls on my ear. Boy, when they started singing that, my wife just started crying, sobbing out loud. She got up to turn away, sobbing away. You say, what was it? Sweet communion, sweet communion. Oh, listen to me. Nobody can commune like he can commune. Nobody can bless like he can bless. And the next time you get down, the next time you get depressed, slip out and look out and say, Arise, my love. Let me look at your countenance one time. Let me hear you speak just one time. And the voice I hear, thank God, is the voice of the shepherd. Now, Write this down. Let me give it to you quickly again, the outline. First of all, in chapter 6, you find the Shulamite girl. And then in chapter 4, you find the shepherd boy. And then in chapters 2 and 3, you know what you find? You find a surprise. Uh, boy, one thing I enjoy about living for Jesus, there's so many surprises. <laughs> Woo! That's not a dull moment, brother. Let me tell you something. It's full of surprises. And did you know, after we come to this third key, the surprises, I want to show you something. She said, I hear the voice of the turtle. She said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's the time for the singing of the birds. 
She said, the flowers are beginning to bloom. The winter time's gone. Now, now let me say to you, we're in the winter time of apostasy. We're in the winter time, brother, of cold, dead religion. Are you listening? We're in the winter time. But I've got news for you. I can hear the voice of the turtle dove. Glory to God. I can hear the birds singing in my soul. Praise God. I can see the flowers begin to bloom. And when she saw that, a knock came to her door. And the little girl went to the door, and 60 soldiers were standing. And a centurion said to her, We got a message from the new king in Jerusalem. And she said to me, A slave girl, a shoe, my girl, You got a message for me? And they said, Yes. She said, Well, you can take it back. I don't care for it. Because any day now, my shepherd's coming back over that hill. And praise God, I'm going back to Jerusalem. And that, that centurion said, wait a minute, you don't know the message. The message is that the king in Jerusalem wants to marry you. And that little girl looked up and said, me? Not me! Surely, what would he see in me? My shepherd must have told him about me. My shepherd must have told him about me. Glory to God in the Lamb forever. And she said, No, you go back and tell that king. He, he, he said, Let me tell you two things, sister. Any woman around Jerusalem would be proud to marry the king. She said, Not me. My heart goes with my shepherd. Glory to God. He found me. And I don't want a king. I want a shepherd. And they said, Wait a minute. Have you ever been to King's Wedding? Have you ever seen the great throngs? Have you heard the bugles blasting and the music? And have you watched all of the celebrities come from around the world? Have you ever been to a King's Wedding? She said no. But one day the shepherd's coming. We're going out here under this vineyard. And it'll be his banquet in the house. And his banner over me will be loved. And there may not be any trumpet, but bless God, we're going to get married. It's going to be a blessing. But, and she said, tell that king I'm not interested. He said, all right, I'll tell him under one condition. She said, tell me. He said, if you look at the chariot that he sent for you, and you look at that chariot and tell me no, I'll let you alone. I'll go back to the great king and tell him you're not interested in him. And she went out to look at the chariot. You got your pencils, write down five things about the chariot. Number one, it had the most beautiful wood that she had ever looked upon. It was engraved with cedars of Lebanon. And it speaks of his humanity. Somebody said, Brother Mays, it's Jesus Christ, man. He was 100% man. He came down from heaven and put on fingernails and eyelashes. And Jesus, and Jesus, the Son of God, became man. And the wood of that chariot felt human. It became a human. He said, wait, 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 look, look at that gold around that wood. And he said, that speaks of his dignity. Not only was he 100% man, but he is 100% God. Hallelujah. You say, I don't believe that you don't believe the Bible, sir. He was God all the way. Oh, co-equal to the Father and the Holy Ghost. And somebody said, what does the gold on the chariot stand for? It stands for its deity. Now watch this quick. Number three, there were some silver posts up there. 
know what that stood for? Redemption. He said, lady, he wants to redeem you. Oh, I'm glad, praise God, I've been to Calvary. I've seen the silver of Calvary. And he redeemed me with his precious blood. If you're redeemed, you've got to be redeemed by his blood. First Peter 1. Here's the fourth thing she thought. She still wasn't convinced. She saw a canopy. Now, let me show you something. You know what a canopy is? You ever slept in a canopy bed? One in bed's got one of them little fancy things on top of it. And the canopy over the chariot was purple. You know what he said that meant? Royalty. Said, you're going to ride in the king's chariot. And you're royal, royal blood. Oh, said, you'll be in the royal family. And what a blessing that is. But she said, I'm not interested. He said, all right, I'm going to open the door. And I'm going to show you one more thing. And if you're still not interested, I'll let you be, Shulamite. And he opened the door, and guess what the floor was paved with? Most of you have read it, you know. And she looked at that, and it stole her heart. The Bible said the floor. It wasn't carpeted like this. It didn't have wood. It didn't have cement. It was paved with L-O-B-E love. And when she saw that love rise up from that floor, boy, her heart beat fast. And she said, I'll go, and I'll marry the king. I'll go, and I'll marry the king. So she went with him to the king's court. And the king wouldn't see her, and she wouldn't see the king for three weeks till the wedding day. And they got her ready, and they got the best that could, money could possibly buy. And when they got everything ready, sister, came that day, and they said, thousands are gathering. And the little girl said, I love him. That floor was paved with love. I, I love you, but I want to ask you something. Would you, would you, you haven't seen a shepherd, strange shepherd come to this wedding. I wonder if he'll be standing somewhere back there. I wonder if he heard about it. You see, he was from Jerusalem. I wonder if my shepherd's out there in the crowd. And when they bring her out, she stands there and the trumpets are blasting and the music's playing and the people are clapping. She stands there and looks at the big door. And in a few moments, the door's going to open. And while she's waiting, she says, I like this atmosphere. It reminds me when I was in the garden. Oh, I was in the vineyard. It reminds me when I was in the vineyard with my shepherd, reckoning he's here. And about that time, the door opens. And the king steps forth. And here's the surprise. It wasn't. It wasn't a king, really. It was her shepherd who had become king. Well, let me tell you something. When she looked at him, here's what she said. The king of love, my shepherd is. Oh, she said, the king, the king, that king. It's my shepherd. He's the king. And they were Oh, what a surprise that was. Some golden daybreak. I'm glad Jesus is coming back. And praise the Lord. We're going to be caught up to meet him. But thank God for the surprise of the human when she said the king of love, my shepherd is. What a surprise. Let me give you this, my clothes. Everybody's here for surprises. Some of you are going to be surprised you get to heaven. What little reward you have. And I'm going to be surprised what little reward I have. 
My wife said I'd get it all down here. Well, I'm having a pretty good time. Say amen right there. Bless God, eat steak. Didn't I eat steak tonight? You had to pay for it, but I ate it. It was good. Say amen. Amen. Somebody said, hang me. I'm having a good time, Brother Chatham. I'm not here to, I'm here to tell you that surprise after surprise. But oh, when I get to heaven, I want to kneel at his feet and thank him. That when I was still a sheep out on the bleak mountain of sin, he came where I was. He came to me and picked me up and put me on his shoulders and said, Rejoice! I'm surprised that he brought me home. But I'm going to be surprised when I see him next time. You're going to be surprised when you look upon his face. The one that saved you is great surprise. Let me give you this and I close quickly. It happened in Oklahoma. They had a Christian, are you listening? A Christian governor. Now, I have never seen any Christian governors. I think Maddox is the nearest thing we ever had to Christian governor. I believe that. I believe it's the best thing we ever had. I wouldn't give you a dime for some of them been sin. Say amen. And if Jimmy Carter was a Christian, well, that's all right. Listen, you, listen, when you, listen, when you get saved, you don't drink liquor. When you get saved, listen, you don't go to the balls of the world and dance and cut up and raise the devil. When you get saved, you don't do that. Somebody asked me, was Ronald Reagan saved? I said, I don't think he is. But we're praying for him, so he's got to live pretty good. Say amen right there. Praise God, I say. I believe, brother, we ought to pray for him every day. He's the only man who's had enough nerve to stand up there and say what some of us believe that ought to be said. He don't say everything, but he says most of the things. We ought to pray for him. We ought to pray if he's not saved, God will save him. If God saved him, he'll quit drinking that liquor. Say amen right there. God saved him. He'll be a new creation in Christ Jesus. But out in Oklahoma, they had a real governor that was Christian. They always wear, you know, dark suit. Carries Bible around. And everybody knew him, especially the Christian people that loved God out there. Because he wasn't ashamed to get up and say, I love Jesus. You get a politician to say that today. They, they love Democrats. Say amen right there. The Republicans. Amen that gay. Say amen right there. But he'd get up and say, I love Jesus. And he had a boy that was going to hang. And they came to him and said, Governor, that boy hates God. That boy committed the awful crime. Uh, what, what do you think? Can you consider any leniency toward execution date? He said, no. I believe that he's to die according to that jury. That jury said he's guilty, and that's what I'm going by. And the judge passed the sentence. He shall be hanged till he's dead, dead, dead. Three days before he was to be hanged. Now came to the governor's mansion in Oklahoma, and he went to the door, and he went to the door. The servant said, I'm sorry if you don't have lady, if you don't have an appointment with the governor. And by the way, he doesn't see people in his home. You'll have to come down to the down to the capital. She said, Mister, I'm a poor Christian woman with a boy that's going to hang three days. I love Jesus. And I understand the governor loves Jesus. And could I see him? And the governor happened to hear it. He said, send her in. And she came in. And she got out on her, her knees and looked up and said, Governor, he's guilty. He's guilty. 
My boy ought to die. He ought to die. He committed that crime. He didn't have any mercy on those two people he killed. He ought to die. But I pray for him that he's going to hell and he hates God and he hates preachers. And I don't want him to die. Governor, would you help him? And the governor said, let's pray. And he prayed with that precious little ragged mother. And he said, Mother, I promise you I'll wait the day before his execution. And I'll mind God. The day before the execution, he went down to the penitentiary and back to what they call F's row or condemned row. And he said to one of the guards leading him in, he said, don't tell him who I am. He said, he thinks I'm a preacher, I guess. And the governor walked in with his Bible and his dark blue suit. And then when he stepped up, the boy jumped up and said, get out. Get out! He said, you're a preacher, and Mama sent you here. I want you to get out. I want you to get out. He said, Mr. In the morning, they're going to put that noose around my neck, and I'm going to die. I want you to get out. I don't want your religion. I don't want my Mama's prayers. Get out. The governor stood there, and the tears started coming down the cheek. The boy looked up and said, you want to cry and preach? He said, no, I'm not a preacher. But I've got something you need, boy. And that boy looked at that Bible and said, I don't need that. Get out! The governor said, but you've got something I need. You've got something I need. The governor said, I've got something that you need. And the boy said, I'll give you 10 seconds to leave me alone. Get out. I don't want what you've got, you crime preacher. And the governor said, all right turned and said, guards, they came, opened up the cell doors and let him out. When he got down in the hall, he said, by the way, here's a pardon. I had it all fixed up. I was going to give him a pardon. I had it all signed, but I want you to take it. And in the morning, when you stand there by him, before they drop that trap door and that neck cracks, slip that in his hand tell him, say, mister, that wasn't a preacher, that's a governor. He had a pardon in your hand. He had a pardon in his hand. He wanted to put it in your hand. It was the governor of the sovereign state of Oklahoma. And the next morning when they let that boy out, he stood there on the gallows, looked down, he said, ah, don't weep for me. He said, I'm ready. I don't care what's happening. And the guard stepped over and said, I want you to hold that in your hand while you die. And the boy said, what is it? He said, it's a pardon. He said, yesterday, the governor came to see me. He wore a black suit and had a black Bible. You thought he was a preacher. He said, he told you in his pocket he had a, something you needed and you didn't want it. And now you're going to die. Hold it in your hand while you die. And that boy looked around and said, my God, what a surprise. What a surprise! And I'd be surprised if it wasn't a preacher, it was the governor of Oklahoma. One day, mister, this world is in for surprise. Ever hit by the